Well, good evening. Good evening. Thank you. Thank you for coming tonight. It's um, so great to see you here. And it would be really sad if you wouldn't be here, to be honest. You know. And it just shows how important it is to turn up and to be the church together. And we're talking tonight about building family. I want to read from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 to 22. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together, we are his house, built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. What an amazing little few verses there in the middle of a letter that Paul has written to the Ephesians. People who, you know, you must imagine, in those days it was slightly less complicated. There were only two groups out there. There were the Jews, the believers, and the Gentiles, the unbelievers. And that's kind of the division of the world. So today we've got a few more groups out there and you know, so many different types of things. But it's very, very interesting that here there are only two groups, Gentiles and believers. And here Paul is saying, you were once outside and now you've become insiders. Something has happened, something has changed. And God is building a family and you are part of it. And this is the great news of these few verses and the verses before. The whole chapter two is amazing. You know, it starts off by him saying, you know, you made, made alive with Christ. Then he moves on and talks about oneness and peace in Christ. And then he finishes off with these few verses I've just read, which is saying, you're a temple for the Lord, you're God's family. And you know, like Lucy was saying earlier on in the prayer, you know, for some people, family is quite a difficult uh, subject, especially around Christmas or whenever you go home and see people. And you know, it can be quite uh, a difficult place, full of tension, um, maybe relationships are a bit difficult. And you never must forget that God has got this idea about family and he's put it into motion. And of course, you know, not always we live it in a way that is kind of due to the, to the um, manual, the Bible, you know, if you think about it. But looking at family the way that God thinks about it is what we're going to do today. You see, what is the greatest commandment of the Bible? Any idea? Love. One another, yes. So love God, love people. See, right there in the Bible, they already had the strap line for St. Saviour's Church. And uh, they, they knew this is going to be good, you know, so let's nick it from St. Saviour's. But if, if you think about it, love God, love people. Well, if love is the biggest commandment, then the fundamental nature of love is to give of itself. And this is what God is modeling all the time. In order to give of oneself, one must forget about oneself, true? And so if you look at the letters that spell out family, you have an acronym, F-A-M-I-L-Y. And what does it mean? Forget about me, I love you. And that spells family. Shall we try this together? Okay. Forget about me, I love you. 
And now you can turn to your neighbor, even if it's your spouse, and say it without fear. Forget about me, I love you. And next time you've got a juicy argument, just say it to one another. Forget about me, I love you. <laughs> it kind of breaks, breaks something right in there. It's important to understand that God, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are family. And when God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, created this world, he, what did God say? He said, let us make men. Make us make humanity. So that gives us a little clue, you know. God is expanding his family. And he's got quite the complex set of family. You know, three is always a tricky business, you know, if you don't know how to forget yourself. But God shows us and models us how three can live in unity. And then he creates humanity and is inviting us into this family and joining the dance with him and saying, you belong to me, you are part of me. And then, of course, humanity disconnects from God, and you have exactly what Paul describes in chapter 2, verse 1. Once you were, you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. What is a sin? A sin is simply missing the mark. And we can tell a long story about missing the mark. You know, it doesn't matter how, how much, by how far you missed the mark. If you missed it, you missed it. You know? So we are all in, in one boat here. We all have missed the mark, the Bible says, very clearly. And because of your disobedience. And if you think of obedience and disobedience in terms of resemblance and likeness, then you suddenly realize, well, we, do, we, we, we somehow have lost our family resemblance on the way. And now, something happens. God does something. Paul says, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. Ephesians 2 verse 11. You used to be out there, but now Christ is doing something to you. He is bringing you in, and you are becoming part of a bigger picture. There's not just your personal family that you were born into and you didn't choose your parents and your siblings, if you have any. Well, everyone has parents, but everybody has siblings, but you didn't choose them. But you see, now, when you get, and this is why Jesus says you must be born again, so when you get born again into the kingdom of God, suddenly you are in another family, in a big family of brothers and sisters that you belong to, which you didn't choose either. But... Beautifully enough, God is right in the midst of it, and he says, when you come together as church and when you come together as a family, something beautiful will happen. You see, the peace of Christ creates family, and he's doing that by showing us how to forget about oneself and how to proclaim to the person in front of you that I love you. And the, you, know, you go through the Gospels and you see Jesus doing this over and over again. One day it just looks by you know, helping the disciples out in, in, in their lack and their need of provision. And he just takes bread and lifts it up, thanks the Father, and then shares it out and, and shows that love will always provide and there will always be enough. That only happens when we come together as family. You can't be isolating yourself from this family because you're part of it. 
And you see, one of the things that uh, we, we must understand when we think of church is that often the church is calling people to believe, then to behave, then to belong, and then to become. And it's so easy to, to be called into the church. Oh, have you got the right teaching, the right dogma? Are you believing right? Are you coming into this place with the right attitudes? Are you behaving right? And we're checking people out. Are they behaving? And you see the whole journey is one of works and one of trying to be right. But Jesus comes with good news. He's not saying you have to change before you belong. He's saying you belong right to my family. The good news of the gospel is the father coming towards those who had run away and he's embracing the prodigals and saying, you belong, you're part of it. Will you participate in my family? A friend of mine uh, adopted some children and uh, she went out to an eastern country and uh, those children were in, a, in an orphanage and were neglected, left up until I think there were about six or seven in, in a cot. The one, one of the boys couldn't even walk down the stairs because never learned it. And these broken children she took home and she had to uh, really go through a long process of helping them to understand that they're now part of a family, if you know what I'm saying. So that one son, for example, when he was eating, you know, he, he would suddenly take stuff out of the fridge and hide it all around the house. So she found uh, vanilla pudding in his trainer, for example. And when asking him and trying to figure out what was going on, she realized, you know, he hadn't learned the simple fact that he now had belonged to the family and that there was always enough. And therefore, he was always trying to grab stuff and grab life and hide it and pocket it and sneak it out and somehow survive. And there is a danger as, uh, as a Christian who, who comes into church and into this family by just trying to behave right, just never really feeling that they belong and are part of, because they never understand who they are and who they have become as a family member. Paul talks a lot about these pictures of being adopted into the family of God. When you're adopted, you inherit big time. You have now rights. You are a person of hope. And Paul is talking about this too. He's saying, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were, believing apart from, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promises of God that he made, had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. It's a stark picture of not belonging to the family. But that's what's happened if you think you're still outside and you don't belong. And I believe that God's good news to you is you're included. Will you participate? Will you please take part? And that's still up to us. That's why the Bible always encourages us to start to think in new ways, renewing the mind. 
Because what was dead beforehand, the spirit was dead and now we have to learn to live by the spirit and to walk by the spirit and not by the flesh. You see? And Paul is, is speaking a lot about this in, in his letters and I think it's, it's that journey that, that we were describing earlier on of belonging and then believing that we belong. And that's so important, this little step of being included, being part of this church, being part of a family, and knowing this is my place, I belong here. I've got brothers and sisters who look after me, and I want to take part in, in this uh, church family. And I believe it, I trust in it. I trust that I can call my friends for help. I trust that there will be others who pray for me. I trust that I'm not alone here. And that will lead me to behave in certain ways. That behavior comes naturally. It grows out of the understanding of who I am in Christ and I suddenly start behaving differently and becomes a clear sign that I know that I'm adopted into God's family. And then I become changed and transformed. So, you are included, you belong, you believe and trust in Christ and then your behavior reflects who you are. It shows a family likeness. I don't know if you have, there are any dog owners among us. Have you got a dog at home? Anyone? Yeah? What have you got, Simon? What? A Labradoodle. Well, look at that. Did you know that dog owners sometimes look like their dogs? <laughs> they resemble, you know, curly hair. Yeah, well, <laughs> friendly face, you know. Why is that? Why is that that couples who've lived together for many, many years start to resemble each other? It's because their facial mus muscles start to copy what they see and what they re reflect. And it's what you engage your eyes with, you know, as you look at one another. You know, Jim and Helen, you can see, you know, they, you can see their couple, can't you? After all these years of being together, reflecting that same smile and radiance. And it's lovely. Why is that? Because they started to reflect one another. A family likeness. And of course, children reflect their parents quite naturally. And so it's important to understand that we are resembling the Father in heaven. And the longer we are together before him and in worship and understand what he's saying and are guided by the spirit and are renewed in our spirit, we understand who he is, who we are, and we are reflecting that as a community. I think this is quite extraordinary if you unpack who Christ is in you. You're gonna start walking in forgiveness. When somebody offends you, you let go of it, why? Because you resemble Christ, who on the cross prayed, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. There's no excuse for you when Christ was on the cross praying that. And Christ is now living inside you, and he's still forgiving those people who hurt you. And he's still doing that. And the more you understand, it's not, no longer me that is living here, it's Christ who is alive in me. And Paul lived in that reality all the time. He said, it's no longer me that is alive, it's Christ in me. So walking through life, saying, Christ, are you forgiving this person? 
yes, well then I forgive them too, reflecting the family likeness. The selfless community we are as a church. You know, that means that we sacrifice for one another and also for the community in the wider sense. Giving money, giving time, listening to others. And it's all part of that. Why? Because we try to be better Christians? No, because Christ in us is doing that. And, you know, now the old self has died and Christ is alive in me. He's alive in us as a community. And so we as a community reflect him in a selfless way. We become hospitable to one another. I mean, come dine with me. That's a fantastic thing. Uh, you know, that we're doing as a church, but I think it's a reflection of what Christ is doing among us, opening the door to one another, saying, come, sit down with me. And a table is a great leveler, you know, we're all at the same height <laughs> around a table. And the great thing about a table is there's a, a lot of talking, but there must be also a lot of listening, because if you want to eat something, you can't speak at the same time. I mean, some people manage to. But uh, it's not good manners and doesn't make for a clean tablecloth. Um, but, you know, it's even around a table. I mean, our family is, is loud, okay, around the table. It's just the way it is. There are lots of kids and they're normally two parents, but sometimes kids become parents too. And then we've got, <laughs> you know, one child and seven parents. Um, but, you know, it's all around the table and often... You know, a simple thing can end up in a huge discussion, and the discussion is usually around, I don't know, some stupid little detail nobody can know about anyway. And, you know, but the fight is not so much about the subject, it's about who's right. And, you know, it normally concludes that Papa is right. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but what I try to do around the table is not just you know, to encourage good discussion and to see who's right and who's wrong. But it's also how we speak with one another that is more important sometimes uh, than who is right in the end. And if I look around this room, you know, there are people from various nations, there are people from various backgrounds, there are people from various experiences, and of course we have different opinions. But God's family doesn't brush us with one stroke and say we all have to agree on everything, but God shows us Christ in us brings us together in our differences and teaches us how we discuss really difficult issues together in a loving way and how we prefer one another and how we bring one another on in our life and in our move, in our walk with God. So, of course, playful community. Oh, we need those clowns among us, you know, who challenge us, who bring the jokes around the table and who help us to see life as a feast and as a celebration. We are a caring community, an inclusive community, and, of course, a peaceful community. It's so important that to understand church, it's not something we go to, but it's something we have become. As Christ lives in us, and we realize we are carrying part of that within us. And if you uh, look at uh, the verse before chapter 2, quite interesting. 
Paul says, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church, and the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. Now, if you want the fullness of Christ, you have to go to church. You can't just do that in your home, just by yourself. How can you love by yourself? You know? Love is a relationship. God is love. God is a relationship. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and his church. And this trinity and unity he's building. He's invited us and planted us firmly, and suddenly you realize, okay, being part of this community, I have a part to play. So when you come and you think, oh, I wish we would be more hospitable, well, then you carry that gift right inside of you. You carry this hospitable Jesus right inside of you who is laying up the big spread and who is inviting his disciples around and who is cutting covenant at the, at the hardest point probably in his life here on earth. Taking bread and wine and saying, this is my body and this is my blood and I give it for you. What a privilege to have a Lord like this. But if you think we need to be a more generous community, well, then get off your chair. It's easier then to reach into your pocket and pull out your purse and start being generous and start this movement of generosity. And I know a lot of you do that all the time. And I mean, look at the place. It's amazing. We had a brilliant meal together today. And it's through the generosity of this church that we can do mission all over the world and it's a fun thing. So this is not a call to something we don't do already but it's an encouragement to continue in that. If you think, oh, I'm not sure that people see me and I'm not sure that uh, when I come I, I know anyone, start speaking to someone you don't know and uh, start being that person that steps out of your shyness you know, and reaching out to someone and saying, I want to get to know you a little bit. Can we sit down for coffee? Just don't forget to bring your cup. <laughs> and that is, of course, true for all the other things. If we want to be an inclusive community, well, then we have to leave our hobby horses firmly tied up in the stable somewhere and come with an open heart to listen to others' opinions. And, uh, you know, like someone said, you know, opinions are like noses. Everybody's got one, but there are usually a couple of holes in them. And it's, you know, that kind of opinionated uh, attitude to one another. We can just leave that at home and say, I'm interested in what you have to say. I'm more interested to listen to your point of view. And that doesn't mean that church falls apart only because somebody doesn't think like you. But it surely helps us to live like Christ and to kind of let Christ spill out of you and make this place a Christ-soaked place. His church. And he fills it. That's what Paul says when we come together. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your presence in our community. Lord, I thank you that you have 
brought us in, us who were on the outside and you have made us insiders. And the people who are out there who don't participate in your kingdom, you have also included and they don't participate yet, but they are included in your work of redemption. And Lord, as we go out this week to speak to people about this fact, to bring good news, to say, look, you're part of God's family. Come in, join us, participate, believe, trust, because you belong. Father, I pray that you help us to, to live in that way that we see Christ living all the time. As we reflect his selflessness, as we reflect the way that he invited tax collectors and sinners and people who were of different opinions and how he was generous towards them. Thank you, Lord, for the playfulness, how Jesus picked up the kids, maybe threw them in the air and caught them again, gave them a cuddle and a blessing. Father, I pray that you help us to be that playful community that encourages people in their daily lives. I pray, Father, that you help us to be inclusive, even to the point where we have to leave our points of view maybe a little behind and be open to one another in our different experiences. And Lord, where you have brought your peace in our community, I pray that you help us share this peace with one another. In our marriages, in our parenting, in our home groups, in our workplaces. Thank you, Father, that you have included us in your family and teach us how to forget about ourselves because we turn our faces to the person in front of us to say, I love you. Amen.